Welcome back to Venture Studio. This is the podcast where your host, Dave Lerner, entrepreneur, angel investor in 60 plus companies and director of entrepreneurship at Columbia University, interviews the angel investors and venture capitalists who make up New York City's entrepreneurial ecosystem. I am your producer, Kevin Weeks. Remember, all of our shows are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Venture Studio and let us know how we're doing. Our guest this week is the incomparable Jerry Colonna. And now here's Dave with a few words about the episode. If you haven't come across Jerry Colonna yet, I'm delighted that you're going to be able to get to know him a little better on this episode. He's someone I really look up to. Uh, he has a company called Reboot, and it's a coaching platform, and they have a ton of programs that Jerry and I talk about, all geared to helping us in the startup ecosystem, whether you're a founder, whether you're an investor, be a more resilient person and a better leader. Jerry's been doing this for many years, and we dive into a lot of the issues that founders and investors alike are dealing with, internal issues. It's issues of anxiety, fear, shame. We don't shy away from any of it. We also dive into Jerry's own journey and how he became a guru, how he became a coach. Uh, it's, it's an incredible journey uh, that has led him from being a venture capital, a very successful venture capitalist uh, here in New York, with uh, partnered with Fred Wilson at Flatiron Partners, to now running this uh, preeminent coaching platform called Reboot. I was totally inspired. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. In the office, baby. Jerry, it's great to have you on. Thank you so much for making some time for us today. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Dave, and it's really an honor to be on the show. What I was hoping to do is just kick things off by diving into the great work you guys are doing at Reboot. So many founders and investors that I speak with in New York have raved about their experiences uh, with the coaching they've received at Reboot, but I know you're after something uh, beyond coaching. It is coaching, but I know you're, you're after more of a platform. If you don't mind, why don't you describe for us what you're really doing at Reboot? Sure. Well, I think it's best to say that what we're doing is a mass hallucination and confusing people. No, just kidding. <laughs> you know, what I like to say is that uh, what we're really focused on is really diving into the, the core struggles that we all have with the with the challenges that come about when what we do and who we are meet. And what we do oftentimes is a manifestation. It's this sort of external manifestation called our job. And who we are oftentimes doesn't necessarily get reflected in that. And that creates this dissonance within us that causes, in my view, a tremendous amount of suffering Suffering that is not typically addressed. And so what we built is um, a company that, as we like to say, really focuses on the conversation. And I often think of that as a capital T and a capital C, the conversation. And the conversation is one that we often have with ourselves. And that conversation is, who am I in relationship to my work and how does that show up uh, in the case if I'm leading people? How does that show up in terms of my leadership? The exploration of that, so that's the core of what we talk about. 
And the exploration of that, uh, first and foremost, shows up in individual coaching sessions. So you and I having a conversation that says, hey, Jerry, you know, I'm really struggling with this aspect of my job and, you know, and then I'll probe or, or one of our coaches will probe. And we have about 16 coaches around the world. And then, but it also shows up in things like our organizational development uh, business where we are looking at the ways in which organizations um, are formed and operate, our management training programs, our 360-degree performance reviews, but and, and things that we're well known for but are, are less widely uh, participated in, things like our boot camps or our workshops. And then, of course, services like that are free, like our podcast or our newsletter or our multi-day reboots. And then lastly, of course, our circles, um, the reboot circles. So everything that we offer is really an attempt to really get, help people get at that core question, that core conversation. You had mentioned to me last time I saw you that you, you were launching these circles uh, which are smaller groups uh, around the country. Uh, how do those work, just so people understand? Yeah, so what they are is they're, they're coach-facilitated, and that's really important. They're facilitated by someone who's trained, and there's a whole methodology behind them. Coach-facilitated online support groups, generally around consisting of around six people. Um, they were originally organized around CEOs, so CEOs from different companies getting together on a regular basis. In, this, in, in most cases, it's twice monthly for 90 minutes each time. And then this year, we expanded them to include different functions within organizations. So VPs of product at different companies get together, or CTOs, or heads of HR all get together. And most recently, and one I'm excited about, uh, talking about is uh, we're launching one for entrepreneurs who happen to be women. Um, and the, the, the goal there is to really continue to create these support systems that are incredibly accessible. Um, joining a circle is a lot less expensive than hiring an individual coach. But it's a way to get that kind of support. And that's really, you know, our goal. And the boot camps which are the retreats on weekends, they are two, three, those are the ones I've heard most about. Those are two, three-day retreats, both yeah. elsewhere. Uh, who, who are the folks that go to these? Is it groups of investors, groups of founders? How do, how do the boot camps work? Right. So if we take a step back and we sort of look at something that we call um, the reboot bet or the reboot formula, um, it, it, this is helpful to sort of understand everything that we do. And then I'll dive back in, into the boot camps. Our basic belief, what we're really after is what I often say is building greater resiliency. Because if you build greater resiliency and you, you help people be grow in their adulthood, then a nice byproduct is they become better leaders. So the way we think about it is practical skills development plus radical self-inquiry who am I? Why do I do the crazy shit that I do? Plus, peer support or shared experiences equals enhanced leadership and greater resiliency. So we're after enhanced leadership, greater resiliency. 
And the boot camp, in many ways, is an ideal expression of the top three pieces. So we'll organize, and in uh, most cases, a boot camp is four days. It's, it starts Wednesday night and ends Sunday morning. Um, and we organize around practical skills development, plus a lot of radical self-inquiry. Who am I? Why do I do what I do? Plus the experience of being together and learning how to speak with a group of peers. And the thing that we're always proudest of is that when people leave our boot camps, they feel like they have this like posse of friends and supporters that they could pick up the phone and say, my God, I got to fire my VP of sales and I don't know how to do that. What can I do? Now, to go back to your core question, who they who they for? Well, they were originally designed for CEOs and founders. We expanded those to include, uh, to do a boot camp just for co-founders. Uh, because, honestly, co-founder conflict is one of the number one reasons why companies fail. Um, last year, we launched our first VC boot camp, which is for investors. And I'll talk about that in a second if you're interested. And then next year, we're hoping to create a boot camp just for entrepreneurs who happen to be women. And the whole idea is to really begin to look at the different components of the ecosystem, the entrepreneurial ecosystem, and really apply the different tools that we're offering at each of those different levels. Um, The co-founder boot camp was extraordinary. And and the camps themselves have been in different locations. Most have been in Colorado. Um, next year, we're going to be doing a bunch at Brad Feld's uh, home in Longmont. Uh, he has an extraordinary home, and he's offered that uh, to, to us. Um, but we've also done two in Europe, in Tuscany. So, um, And the whole idea is to really try to bring this as much as possible to other people. You've really, I, I see what you're doing, the orchestral plan. You're building this into a platform uh, so you can achieve scale and you can include people who might not have been ready to go to one of the boot camps. Maybe they're um, more likely to dip a toe in or participate in one of the circles because uh, I know so many founders, investors, at least here in New York, that I know have said or think, yeah, I, I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to go to mm-hmm. one, of, one of Jerry and company's mm-hmm. um, boot camps, but I'm not ready right now. Maybe I'll mm-hmm. do that at some point, just mm-hmm. like how we often will put off the most important thing <laughs> and mm-hmm. just focus on that. So I, I see what you're doing here. You're, you're making mm-hmm. it very inclusive. Um, and easy. And th- yeah. And gentle. And easy. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and part of it is, you know, Dave, part of what happens is, Part of that is a, is just sort of a general resistance that is fear-based, which is I don't have the money. And, and to be clear, a lot of times that's true. But also part of it is I don't deserve this. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, the I don't deserve this mindset, um, you know, it's a really tricky and funny place because it can actually undermine the development of the organization. You know, we are oftentimes socialized in such a way as to think that it's narcissistic to take care of ourselves 
or it's self-indulgent to speak about how we're really struggling or what we're feeling or the, you know, especially in a culture that lionizes entrepreneurship, yes. right? And most of the media doesn't, I, I think the, it's, the story is shifting a lot in the last year, but I think for the most part, the media continues to, to put forth this notion of entrepreneurs as either incredibly wonderful people that we should all admire and aspire to be, or awful, greedy, you know, tainted people. Think of, think of the Theranos story. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? And the truth is, that poor woman, she's just kind of screwed up. Like us. Right. Like every one of us. Just on right? a grander scale. Just on a grander scale. And so, so what, what we're trying to do is kind of normalize the, the, the crazy up and down roller coaster experience so that when, when people walk away from any reboot experience, whether it's just listening to a podcast or reading a newsletter or joining a circle or doing one of our free workshops or something like that, that they walk away and they know they're not alone. Just know you're not alone. That's all. I want to I get into the investor retreats in mm-hmm. a moment, but when you, when you mentioned the co-founder retreats, the, mm-hmm. the boot camps, I just want to to talk about that for a couple minutes because, you know, I, I, I have a, a portfolio company of mine where I'm very close with the founders and they attended your co-founder boot camp. Mm. And uh, we were together this summer at my house and we, we had a barbecue and we had dinner and they were just in that quiet moment outside telling me about the experience and how, how powerful and impactful it was in their mm. own relationship. Mm. Um, and it's, I'll tell you something, um, the company did not work out mm-hmm. for other reasons, but mm-hmm. these, this crew, I'm mm-hmm. into who they are. Um, they I think deep, I know who they, they are. Yeah, you, I'm sure you do. And they have a deep bond mm-hmm. um, that is never going to go away. Mm-hmm. And they're doing just fine. Right. Away. Well, that's the point. That's <laughs> I just it. wanted you to know that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. But that's, but that's the point, Dave. It's like, you know, I have a line that often gets retweeted, which is just because you feel like shit doesn't mean you are shit. Right. And one of the challenges in co-founder conflicts is, um, and I know this is somewhat heretical. Some of my former friends and colleagues in the VC business might say, you know, I'm wrong, but fuck them. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Our lives, it's not worth destroying our lives for the company. And in that bucket of our lives includes our relationships. Because those co-founders, I won't name the number because I think I know who they are. Those co-founders, you never know, my friend. A year from now, they may come back to you with a great idea and they may crush it this time because they worked out all of their shit before. That's fine. And, and it's fine. And it's totally exactly. fine. And I just say, I, I'm going to jump in and say, Dave, God bless you for being the kind of angel investor who would sit there over a barbecue with them and say to them, it's okay. Listen, we got together. We spent the day together. And we, we, did, we hardly spoke of the business because it, <laughs> it was over and we were just bonding again. 
Yeah. And I, I just wanted them to feel that yeah. it's all good. And then that's where just the dinner conversation led and they had this great experience. So, um, I, I, I'm particularly, um, attuned to the co-founder dynamic, um, just because of my own role in the university university is the, maybe the greatest time to meet your co-founders and also the worst. Yes. Uh, because it's just so easy and you're friends with everybody and it's easy to have one of these quick conversations. Let's do a company together. We just yeah. met five seconds ago. Yeah. You'll be the yeah. CFO and I'll be the C whatever. I mean, so yeah. I break yeah. up quote unquote break up, but I moderate and get people through so many co-founder disputes uh, that, yeah. that uh, yeah. it, it's yeah. like the theme of of my work. So I'm, I I applaud you for for taking it well to, uh, to, to the next two, level. Two additional things that I would say. One is um, we actually have a free multi day online course specifically designed to address conflicts between co founders. Okay, it's the co founder conflict five day reboot, and then uh, in March. At our next CEO boot camp, it's actually CEO and founders boot camp. And what we're going to try this time is to actually merge because we've done this a few different ways and it's actually worked out. So individual CEOs are welcome and co-founders are welcome. And if it turns out that we we need to shift some of the agenda around to specifically, we'll we'll handle it. We'll 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 roll with it. Um, and that's the March boot camp. So let's dive, you know, this, this podcast is, uh, you know, our guests are typically investors. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, we talk about investing, we talk about entrepreneurship, of course, but we talk about a lot about the, the investing. We had Jerry Newman on most, mm -hmm. most recently. It was just fascinating in hearing his experience and what, how, mm -hmm. how deep a thinker he is. And so we talk a lot about the issues that uh, investors address and deal with. And I was really curious, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are, what are the kind of issues people are dealing with in those investor boot camps? What, as much as you're comfortable, maybe you could share with us what issues are bubbling up to the surface? I, I will say that um, when we did our first VC investor boot camp, uh, many of the past participants emailed me with a lot of laugh at, laughter and said, yes. I'm glad you're going to make them cry now. <laughs> um, so just a word about why. I said before that um, we're really interested in touching each aspect of the ecosystem, the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And we really will not be able to change the underlying dynamics until uh, in that ecosystem, until we address the people who have power. And uh, for a whole bunch of complicated reasons, uh, investors have power. Sometimes they know it, sometimes they don't know it, sometimes they realize it, sometimes they don't realize it. And so part of the goal, again, going back to the formula, part of the goal is to explore and teach the practical skills, like what does it actually mean to sit on the board of directors? What does it mean to hold that seat? Because I'm not El Jefe. I'm not the boss of bosses. But I'm also not the CEO. And, like, what is my role here? And that's complex, yeah. right? 
what if I see something that I don't like about what's going on in the product marketing strategy? How do I handle that? Right? Because most people kind of misbehave. They either withdraw altogether and sort of grumble in the background, or uh, as Bill Kaiser from Greylock once said to me about me when I was a young VC, they go native. And they jump in and they think they're, quote, going to help. And all they do is make things worse. So that's one piece. The other piece, though, the most important piece is I think that the predominant epidemic problem is that uh, investors mask their anxiety with aggression. They do not know what to do with the fact that they are completely and totally fucking freaked out by the potential of a loss. And there are all sorts of reasons why they get freaked out about that. And so then they think they're being helpful by slapping the table and yelling and pointing fingers and that sort of thing. And all they manage to do is make it worse. As I like to say, I've never seen a great board of directors guarantee a company's success, but I sure as shit has seen a bad board of directors guarantee a company's failure. And I have been there. And so part of what we do is we create a safe space for people to talk about, why do I get so freaked out? And it goes, and this is hard for entrepreneurs who may be listening, because the entrepreneurs who listen will say, well, listen, I got all my eggs in this one basket here. Um, you've got a whole portfolio of companies. Why are you freaked out? Well, it's complex. They carry the same sense of shame around failure. They worry about the same sense. They have the same sense of guilt, right? I raised investors' money. They have partners that they're trying to prove themselves to, right? It's very, very similar arc. And that's one of the things that we try to do is we start to show them how their experience as investors actually mimics the experience. It's not the same, but it mimics the emotional roller coaster ride. And so therefore, what we try to do is actually dial down, in effect, the anxiety and give them tools from which they can then reach in and go, you know what? I want to be the kind of firm, quite frankly, that does what you did this summer. Okay, so that one failed. What are we building next? Right Now, that's not to say it doesn't suck when an investment fails. Of course it does. And let's talk about some skills that we can have to kick save a failing investment. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's right? the practical side. That's the practical right. side. Exactly. Exactly. But basically, you know, there's a core question that underlies everything that we, that we talk about. I talked about the conversation before, but there's a core question that, I, that my therapist used to give me all the time, which is, how am I complicit in creating the conditions I'm complaining about? How have I? Right? And so if you put this in the, in, in, to an investor and you say, okay, great, so you have a shitty portfolio. Who picked those companies? Who backed those CEOs? Right? Let's look at this question. What's really going on here? Radical right? self-inquiry. Radical self-inquiry. You got it. 
You got it. And why? <laughs> and why? And what can I learn from that process? That's right. That's right. That's right. And the VC boot camps, I should mention, are co-hosted by Brad, Brad Feld. And so he and I sort of take our seats as the co-facilitators. The one we're doing in January, which is, I got to tell you, is sold out, and I'm really gratified. I heard that. Yeah, we had 15 slots, and we actually agreed to open it up. We found additional hotel rooms. I think we have 23 or 24 people coming. We'll probably do another one next year, depending on schedule and availability, but we'll have the facilitators for it. My, my partners, Ali, Jim, Kala, Dan, they'll all be there working with us on this. So That's great. Um, to have you yeah. and Brad, the elders there, both on the practical side and on, on the radical self-inquiry side with the, quote, shared experience with everyone around, that is... That's right. That is special. That's right. Um, That's you know, right. And, and I will say, um, I listened to a great podcast you did with Brad Feld and Fred Wilson recently. Yeah, that was the summer. Yeah, and it was fantastic. And I I really recommend people listen to that one on the Reboot Podcast because you three elders really dove into the board issues in a big way. And uh, there were so many great nuggets of wisdom in that uh, (laughs) from all of you. And, um, And I remember at one point... I think Fred has had his own uh, journey, and he said counterintuitively he learned that the less you worry about the the investment itself and the more present you are with the founders and just working on the company and that that entity that doesn't have a voice in the room often the company and the people, that's what's brought him a lot of the success that, that he's enjoyed. It's, it's when he shed the, the, the worrying. I'm, of course, I'm simplifying a, a no, but an hour-long conversation, but that, that was yeah, a, I, a big I, moment, I thought. I, 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 th- I think it was a big moment, and I think, it was, uh, I think you synthesized it well. You know, I'll tell you a couple of things. You know, that, that conversation was one that I'd been hoping to have for a while uh, because the three of us entered the business at the same time 20 years ago. And uh, I think Brad was made – well, Fred was in the business before that. He was in the business for about seven or maybe ten years before that and, and Brad as well. But the three of us sort of came together 20 years ago. And um, it, it, for me, it felt like three old guys sitting on the park bench <laughs> <laughs> swapping stories. So I do have this vision in mind of someday the three of us literally sitting by a fireplace swapping stories talking to people. So someday we'll make that happen. But, uh, but the other thing that I, I'll share about that was after that podcast, after we recorded that, Fred sent me a note and he goes, Jesus Christ, Jerry, you get me to say things that not, I would never say in public. <laughs> but I'll, I'll point you to his, one, uh, a recent column he did on caring, which I think it was, uh, you know, uh, I forget what date, but it was just a, cu- a couple of days ago. He, he wrote a, a, a blog post on how after three decades in the business, what he's finally come to understand is what does it mean to actually care and how important it is to care. And what he was saying, in effect, was when, he com- when, when an investor comes to that equation caring because what's really going on is they're scared and they're, that 
anxiety causes them to behave in a couple ways, then what they're actually doing is putting their own need to quiet their own fears ahead of not only the company, but ironically, ahead of their own portfolio interests. They inadvertently are working against their own financial interests when they're so scared. And they are oftentimes so scared, and again, we're socialized to do this, we don't sit there and say, we're not socialized to say, hey folks, I just want to let you know, I'm freaking out right now. We're socialized to say, I freak out, so now I'm going to get aggressive. And what really what Fred was saying was, the less I freaked out, the more I could care. And the more I care, the better investor I am. Now, I just want to pause and recognize that there are a lot of good investors out there who don't take the same point of view. But I'll put their Fred's IRR and Brad's IRR up against any investor. So for those of you who are sort of sitting there going, yeah, 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 though that's easy. He's already made his money. The truth is I knew this guy when we, we were getting by by the skin of our teeth. And he always cared. Yeah. Same with Brad. Yeah. So. It's, it's tremendous. Um, a, another theme you guys touched on, which, which we've touched on here a few times, is the special pressures that younger investors feel vis-a-vis you know, the more established ones. And the wide range of behaviors uh, founders experience, and frankly other investors, when... Um, the behavior of some of these guys and gals um, manifests itself in strange ways. Mm. Um, And I wonder what the dynamic is at these boot camps. What are you seeing with the new generation of investors? So a couple of things that I would say in response to that. One is that there's a generally that there's a dynamic that reminds me somewhat of the dynamic that has been proven to be unhealthy for doctors. And it kind of goes like this. You're a young intern. You're just starting out as a doctor. The supervisors that you're working with at the hospital, they work 24 and 48 hour shifts. So you will as well. Right. It's a kind of machismo that results in patients dying okay now it's a dramatic example but the the correlation is there which is i had it tough so you're going to have it tough too so that's one dynamic that operates outside that that folks coming into the business are confronting there's another dynamic and we should name this as well and 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 before i name it i want to identify uh first of all dave do you identify as a straight man Okay, so here we have, and I think you identify as white, is that right? Yes. Okay, so here we have two men, who, identi- who two people who identify as straight white men, yes. okay? And I want to talk about not being a straight white man. Mm-hmm. There's a tremendously important phenomena happening right now, which is we're finally starting to have the discussion about the power base of the investor community not being dominated by straight white men. It is still 
dominated by straight white men. But at least we're having the dialogue as a community. So there's this other thing that happens. And it goes kind of like this. I may be the first non-straight white man in this firm. And not only do I carry the burden of being, say, 27, 28 years old, a couple years out of Columbia Business School, right, with an MBA, failed entrepreneurial startup under my belt, yay, and now I'm an associate or an analyst at a VC firm. Not only do I have to prove myself that way, but I better not fuck up. Because if I fuck up, I'm not only fucking up for me, I'm fucking up for the other people behind me. And not only do I carry that, but there's all this projection that gets put onto me and expectations, right? See, we broke the color barrier, or we broke the gender barrier, or we broke the gender identity barrier, right? And we're carrying all of that, right? And if you think about some of the basic proposition that I'm talking about, which is we can as human beings, mask our suffering and our anxiety with aggression. Now you give that person some authority and agency and power, go make this investment. What do we do? So my goal is to give those people resiliency, is to open up the dialogue so that they can breathe and they get to show up as full human beings and then they make their investing bets with the fullness of who they are. Right? And maybe, just maybe, they're a little bit uh, more thoughtful, more caring, more gentler, more kinder, more helpful to some entrepreneur who then goes home and instead of getting into an argument with their significant other, has a nice bottle of wine and maybe, maybe makes love and mm-hmm. has a nice night. Does that all make sense? Yeah, it does. You're seeing a whole range of things. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Let me tell you, in some ways, you know what you're doing. I don't know if you thought of this. The more of these that you do, what's going to happen in a year or two years from now, people are going to, in the community, are going to say to each other when they see bad behavior. Yes. They're going to say, wait a second. Hey, man, let me take you aside and say, hey, you know what you should do? Don't take this the wrong way. You should go over, go talk to the reboot folks. Mm-hmm. Go, to, go, to, go to one of the retreats. Mm-hmm. Believe me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I thought you were going in a different direction, and I appreciate you saying go over to the reboot people, but I want to say something else. I love our company. I think we're doing something radically different and amazing. And... You know, we have our own trajectory of funniness and we all, each of us brings our own bag of emotional tricks, but I love what we're doing. I'm so proud of it. But you know where I thought you were going? I, I thought you were saying, I see what you're up to, Jerry. What you're trying to do is, is affect the humanity of a particular segment of the world called this entrepreneurial startup community. And that is it. Because, you know, the truth is, and we say this all the time at the company, I don't give a rat's fucking ass if we're the biggest coaching company in the world. I really don't give a shit. You know what I care about? I care about the legacy. I want to be sitting on a park bench, looking back, 
and saying, my time on this earth mattered. And I made a difference. You know, I got one go round in this meat bag called Jerry. That's it. And when I go, I want people to say the, that, that, that he made a difference. And when I get up in the morning, that's what motivates me. You know, it's not about money in the bank, although I'm not stupid. I know how to build a business. It's about, and, and, and my partners who, who are younger than me, um, they're, they're, they're building a lifestyle. So my wish is that five, six, seven years from now, I pass the reins of being CEO to one of my partners and I'm emeritus and I'm still writing and speaking and doing my stuff, but that reboot goes way beyond anything that I could ever have conceived. And it's the, the wonderful thing, my friend, is it's already happening. Hey, believe it or not, that is where I was going. <laughs> I want, if you're, if you're comfortable, I want mm. to delve a little deeper into how you got this way. Mm. Um, I'll tell everyone a quick little, little anecdote. I think it was the, the first time that you came to speak to my class of founders at Columbia. Um, you arrived and you put your bag on the side of the, the room at this Ivy League institution and you proceeded to remove your shoes. <laughs> okay. And then you're standing in front of everybody. In my stocking uh, feet. Right. I had socks on. Yeah, you had socks on. But you greeted everybody personally. You made eye contact with everyone. You said hello to everyone. And you just stood there for a moment, and people you know, were slightly <laughs> uncomfortable, shifting in their seats. They'd never seen anything like it. And you welcomed them, and you, and you said, well, this is what you're going to get. You know, something like that. This is me. And within 20 minutes, you know, after you asked how everyone's doing, everyone was very comfortable opening up. Some people were already starting to tear up. Mm. And then maybe 10 minutes after that, one person was sobbing uncontrollably and you were helping us all console that person. And then the guy that I teach with, he started losing it mm. when we were talking about being fathers. Mm. And then I started to lose it. <laughs> so I just, I just want to ask you, like, what you do takes a lot of courage, frankly. Mm. You had a wonderful conversation with a friend of mine recently on your, on your podcast, Tariq Karula, mm-hmm. which was very powerful. And, you know, one of the great takeaways from that, everyone should listen to that one. It was called uh, The Tragic Gap. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Tariq, you know, he, he confided in you towards the end and he said, Jerry, I'm a witness. Mm-hmm. I see so much. And, um, you know, I see what's going on with people. I see what's going on with technology. And, and, and Tariq's thing was he, he, he was so scared that he was not going to share, be able to share the, the, complete, the completeness of all his talent and passion with the world in some way. But most people um, who are witnesses keep it at a certain level. You've taken <laughs> it well beyond that. 
and you have kind of the courage to go deep mm. and to announce yourself. And I say it tongue in cheek, to, tongue in cheek, but to be able to take off your shoes at an Ivy League institution and announce yourself in a humble way. How did you get to this place? Well, thank you for seeing all of that. What you just described, you brought me back to really important moments in my own work. A couple of quick things, a couple of things I would say. I got to that place by doing my own radical self-inquiry. I got to that place. You know, there's a story about the Buddha. The story is that the Buddha was raised a prince in a, in a castle, and before his birth, his father received a prophecy that he would one day leave the castle and be a great leader. And his father was so distressed by this that he kept him from the outside world. And one day he's walking by a window and he sees an old woman passing and he realizes in that moment the reality of suffering. So he leaves the castle and he becomes his teacher in the forest and all. And he keeps wandering and wandering and wandering and wandering. But he's never really satisfied because he doesn't really get an answer. And one day he sits down under the Bodai tree and I like to think of him, we're both from Brooklyn, so I like to think of him as from Brooklyn, and he says, fuck it. I'm not moving until I figure it out. And I relate to that. There was a time in my life where it was, fuck it, I'm not moving until I figure some things out. So what is it that I do, and, I, and whether it's with, in the podcast with Tariq, or uh, in that workshop that you're referring to where I kicked off my shoes. And, you know, I do this a lot. I just open up a conversation. I try as much as I can to make eye contact, to make human contact and break down the, the barriers that we all carry. What is it that I do when I ask the question, when I ask people to just pause and consider how are you? Because that was the question, Dave, if you remember. And that's all of a sudden people start to cry. Now, my goal is not to get people to cry. My goal is to just get people to be aware. But here's a truth. It's not the only truth, but a truth. When we pause and recognize where we are, what we come in contact with is what one of my teachers called the genuine heart of sadness. Life is hard. It's supposed to be that way. Okay. And when we pause and recognize that it's hard, we often tear up. So what I try to do, and I appreciate you're saying it's brave, it no longer feels brave. It feels natural. And what all I try to do is be present. Because I think presence is the greatest gift we can give one another, and it's the thing we are least likely to give. You know, that's the essence of coaching. It's not problem solving. It's not planning. It's not action steps. I mean, there are some coaches who think that that's what it's about. Not for me. For me, what it's about is how are you, Dave? No, really. Don't bullshit me. 
right? You know, you show me your heart, I'll show you mine. Or more important, I'll show you mine so that you can feel safe in showing me yours. That's why the shoes That's what people recognize when you're standing there. They see it. They feel it. I got, okay, just the the coin dropped. I've done the work to get there. And I will show up. Mess, if I'm angry, if I'm sad, I will show up. Because you know what, Dave? Me going through life not showing up to my own self makes me depressed. You know, you've told the story of, you know, being, leaving Flatiron, working at, was it J.P. Morgan, mm. being very unhappy. Suicidal. Yeah. And, and this is 14, year, 14, 15 years ago. Now. Yep. Yep. And this is the journey that you've been on for all these years coming to fruition. That's right. The man I am today was born on February 2nd, 2002, when I decided not to jump in front of the subway train. Even though that's what I was thinking I was going to do. So this man cracked open. And uh, I'm proud of the man I am. Doesn't mean I'm proud of everything I've ever done. In fact, there's a lot of shit that I wish I hadn't done. But I work every day to let go of any guilt, hold on to the regret, and learn. And if I can do that, and it makes it a little bit safer for you or for someone else to do that, Hats off, I've won a prize, and we get to, we get to, maybe when I reincarnate, I'll be a little bit closer to whatever. (laughs) Jerry, um, thank you. Thank you, my friend. This is a gift to everyone. Um, I appreciate you sharing. I wanted everyone to get to know you a little, those that don't. And I think they have today, and we'll do it again. Oh, but but um, by all means, and Dave, I want to thank you for the invitation. And you know, I'll, I'll I'll say it back. I see you, my friend. I know what you're up to, and I've seen you show up for those students and show up for those entrepreneurs. And one day I'll get you on my podcast, and then I'll make you oh, cry. Boy. Oh boy! Oh boy! You are. You're already starting to. So thank you for the work you do. Thank you. And you be well too. Show you around, give you a taste of business, you know?